Welcome to the Productivity Mastery Podcast, presented to you by myself, Stoyan Yankov, Productivity and Performance Coach, Keynote and TEDx Speaker, and co-author of the Perform Methodology, and the book, Perform, The Unsexy Truth About Startup Success. Join me on a journey to discover what some of the world's leading professionals do to be more productive, create peak performing teams, and build successful global companies. New episodes weekly. And now, enjoy today's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Productivity Mastery. Stoyan is here with you, and as always, I'm on a mission to bring you some of the most interesting guests out there and cover some of the most important topics, one of which, obviously, is AI. Everybody's talking about AI, especially in the last uh, six months. Is a AI less. a bit less, maybe? Yes. Yeah. So is it going to take over our jobs? When is that going to happen? Is it going to take over the world? That's not the topics that probably we're going to be covering, but we're going to go a lot more practical with my guest today. Uh, Tim, I hope I pronounce your name uh, correct, Tim Berse? Yeah, that's fine. Berse, yeah. Berse. Tim Berse, my guest, is a co-founder of Automated Content. He has a diverse background in marketing beginning his career in direct response marketing and later serving as the head of email marketing for a large international digital marketing agency. He also worked as a head of content for a leading multinational retailer where he led content teams and developed B2C and B2B strategies. As a co-founder of Automatic Content, Tim now focuses on building fine-tuned AI language models, paving the way for the future of AI-generated content. He blew my mind together with uh, his friend Maya Voy uh, a few weeks ago in North Macedonia. Thank you, SwissCP, for bringing us together as, 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 um, as uh, experts on this founder's retreat. Uh, so it's been really interesting to see what he has to share and what he's working on. So I really wanted to bring him in. And one of the reasons is, I mean, this podcast is about productivity, right? Uh, we need to know what's coming. And AI, if used, if utilized appropriately, can really simplify our lives. Of course, there's a lot of other considerations we have to keep in mind. But Tim, good morning, first of all. How are you? Good morning, Stone. I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm super excited about it, man. So let's, uh, let's dig into it. Uh, tell me about uh, your background. So you've been a marketer, you've been a copywriter. How did you get into AI at the first place? Okay, so yeah, I started with um, writing a lot of copy um, in the direct response niche. So selling a lot of courses, supplements, things like that. Um, then I kind of started, you know, working with uh, with an agency uh, where, you know, we were selling all kinds of products for companies all around the world from really expensive kitchen knives to fashion to high-end fashion uh, fashion uh, accessories and just really a broad broad scope of products um and then yeah like um back in december i started getting a lot of emails from my copywriting mentors all talking about this new tool called chat gpt and how you know whether or not it was going to replace copywriters and you know i you know i was super interesting whether or not you know my potential job or skill set was in danger of you know being completely automated so i decided to give it a try and 
uh, that's how really essentially my my uh, my journey into into AI started. Um, I had a lot of you know uh, I think I had a little bit of an advantage because of my background because I think there's two things or maybe three things that really essentially uh, make somebody good at at using AI uh, when it comes to generating copy. Uh, the first is a little bit of knowledge in programming, and I've been programming since I was, uh, you know, in, in primary school. Um, the second thing is really knowing how to, how to write good copy to give great examples to it. And then the third is essentially being able to systemize your content where you're able to essentially create SOPs out of how to write copy. And then, you know, by teaching, by having those SOPs, well, as it turns out, GPT is pretty good at understanding SOPs and exact, you know, step-by-step -step guides which really helps you to, to essentially, you know, create much better content with it. Excellent. I, I want to start maybe with giving a bit of a context to the audience. Where, what is the stage of ChatGPT for what, what is like, if you can kind of give us an overview about the main capabilities, what are we capable to do with ChatGPT for? Okay, sure. So essentially, you know, um, G the GPD model is built on a really, really advanced sort of um, um, technology that we can use to process words. Like before, before like 2017, that's when that's when things really got started. Um, this problem was being dealt at uh, dealt with uh, at Google. They were essentially having, uh, you know, they were building a translation model, uh, a translation tool, Google Translate, right? They wanted to find the best way to translate content from, you know, from, say, let's say English to other languages, which change certain words depending on the gender, like most European languages, right? Um, and, you know, before 2017, we were kind of looking at each word uh, separately. So you would look at one word and try to translate that. And then, you know, in 2017, they introduced this paper called Attention is All You Need, which is kind of a meme name uh, released from you know, Google's laboratory. And um, yeah, they introduced the transformer architecture, which essentially lets us look at the entire sentence at once, which you know, provides a lot more context and just makes translations a lot easier. But as it turns out, you know, by, by having this capability of um, simultaneously looking at different things, you're able to kind of better guess and make better choices um, when it when it comes to the output of the content, so right now you know a lot of a lot of things are being done in the language space. So things like ChatGPT generating content, um, some of it some of it is going on uh, you know in the um, image creation space, like tools like Midjourney, where they're able to create really beautiful art artworks essentially just from a short prompt. To also music, you know, Google recently talked about releasing a tool. Um, that generates music for you. So, you know, this technology, this transformer architecture, we can essentially use it to teach, uh, to teach it a lot of different stuff from writing copy to, you know, generating music to uh, uh, generating art, artworks and all of that. So we're, you know, right now we're kind of at a stage where all of these tools are being massively, very, very quickly developed at a massive scale all around the world. And we're just seeing it, you know, just kind of, um, integrate into society in all different aspects. I don't think we're, you know, close to having it integrate into all of our systems yet, uh, but I do think there's many, many opportunities that we haven't seen yet that are going to get developed over time. 
So this new architecture, the transformer, this is what, what essentially lets us kind of teach a machine to do really human level work uh, on, you know, a broad scope of things, anything from, you know, obviously, you know, reading documents and writing content and classifying documents and, you know, image generation, music generation, all of these good, all of those good things. Um, but we can also use it for tools like programming, right? Um, or, you know, just essentially any sort of mental work that we're doing right now, we could teach it um, strategy, things like that. We could teach it to do that. Uh, with the transformer architecture and get surprisingly good results. Like, you know, everyone was really surprised with ChatGPT when it first came out and Midjourney and tools like that when they were just, you know, blown away at how, how amazing some of that content can be. And I'm sure that, you know, in the you know, next few months and years, as more of these fine-tuned models come out, we'll be very surprised at how well it can handle all kinds of things um, pertaining to our jobs and, and, and the work that we do. And it's kind of crazy, as you said, how many new things are coming out every week. I wonder, how do you keep up so you are, you know, updated on all the state-of-the-art new technologies coming out? What, what do you do to make sure that you, you kind of try the new tools and you're on top of things? All right. So there's so much stuff going out, coming out like on a weekly basis that I don't really have the time to test all of these. What, one thing that I've noticed is there's a lot of uh, people that kind of aggregate that content and um, let me know about new stuff coming out. So I subscribe to a lot of people. Um, you know, I follow different people that really talk about the new tools coming out just so that I, ha I have an, one eye open to, to see whether or not something would be pretty useful to use. Um, otherwise, we have a, I have a pretty clear focus on where I see this technology going and a specific use case that we're trying to solve. I think there's going to be many different use cases when it comes to this technology, but there's one that we've kind of narrowed down on, which is just um, creating content, fine-tuning uh, fine uh, AI models to create way better content. Excellent. So, Tim, um, why don't you give us a bit of an overview of how you use mm -hmm. AI? You know, how did you start it? Like now that you saw maybe like four or five months ago, ChatGPT coming out and and on a day-to-day -day basis, how do you use it in your work? Okay, sure. So, you know, I started off just like I think everybody else. I open. Uh, um, I remember, you know, when I was getting those emails in the beginning of December, I think it was, it started already in the first week of December and, you know, ChatGPT got released on the last day of November. So it's been really crazy, like the past three three months or so um, since, since its release. And, you know, I started just like everyone else, you know, everyone is super hyped about this technology and I, you know, kind of opened it up and I set myself a really simple challenge. I wanted to, I wanted to write, I wanted to use prompts to write uh, a newsletter, right. For a buy one, get one free uh, deal for an e-commerce store. And I figured, you know, that's a pretty simple challenge. You know, if you, ev everybody kind of knows what those emails are supposed to look like. Cause if we open up your inbox, you can take a look at how e-commerce stores send out emails. And it's usually not a lot of copy and a lot of, you know, visuals to make, to make the emails really pop and beautiful and all of that. And I figured, you know, that's a simple challenge as any. And I asked it, I essentially just wrote, you know, write an email for a buy one, get one uh, deal on, you know, pi pillows and um, wanted to see what I get out of it. And I just got a huge block of text, right? So it was... Um, totally not usable. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't really understand at that, at that 
point what was the actual use case yes you know the the chat was super interesting you could ask it a bunch of questions like ask it for a recipe it'll spit back one out really quickly so you know it was impressive in certain ways but i you know when it came when it came to the actual work that i was doing i couldn't really specifically find a specific use case for it wasn't really sure how this this is actually useful so that's that's when i started studying a little bit about about what these tools are, what are you know language models, what what uh, what is machine learning, and you know what do we actually what do we actually mean when we say AI? And I figured a couple of a couple of things really early on, which was that these tools aren't really good at writing, but they're really good at guessing words. And um, the interesting part where these tools become very very interesting is that you can affect the guesswork of this machine by essentially giving it different context, which means that it can learn from your input and provide you know, an output that's kind of tailored to, to what you asked it to do. And that's a really good, that's a really important thing. Can you give because, me an example? Can you give me an example of what sure, could yeah. that look like? So let's, let's imagine you, you, want, you want ChatGPT to finish a sentence, right? And let's say that sentence is, I like to travel, that's why I'm going to use the blank to go to New York, right? And it's going to come up with a list of different words. And one of those words might be airplane, right? Another one might be a hot air balloon. Another one might be a bicycle, right? And then it's going to assign probabilities to each of those words. And, you know, in this case, it's probably going to rank airplane really high and bicycle probably pretty low, right? Um, and according to that list, it's going to pick the one that's, um, that has the highest probability of being the correct word. And it's going to finish our sentence and say something like, you know, I like to travel. That's why I'm going to use the airplane to go to New York. But, you know, if you kind of talk to ChatGPT before, before asking this question and you tell it that you're a huge enthusiast about hot air ballooning and how you want to travel the world with a hot air balloon, um, it's going to assign different probabilities to those, to those words and, it's might, and, and might finish the sentence by saying, I like to travel. That's why I'm going to use the hot air balloon to go to New York. So that's an example of it being able to take some of your context, some of the some of the stuff that you're uh, that you're giving it, and learn on that, learn based on that, and then give you a personalized uh, response uh, around that. So that's something that kind of showed me that you know these tools can actually learn. And when I figured out that it can learn, uh, the only question, the next question that I had was, well, how do you teach it? You know, how do you teach it to write? That was the big challenge that I was dealing with. Because obviously, when I gave it a straight-up challenge, write me a newsletter, it completely failed at that. So I wanted to know, is there a way for me to teach it how to write you know, the new you know, content and copy that I'd like it to write about? And as it turns out, you can with something called fine-tuning, which is where I think um, the, the biggest use cases for this technology uh, are right now. You know, it's super interesting uh, when it came out, uh, there were all these use cases. For example, somebody will say, um, give me a summary of the Iranian revolution in three pages using Donald Trump as he's saying it, right? And, and of course, it has a lot of data on Donald Trump, right? Already, probably. So it was like, it's the greatest revolution. <laughs> so, so, so it was actually sounding like him, right? So, so yeah. and when, when I saw you and Maya uh, a few weeks ago in North Macedonia actually playing with it, it was really interesting what you guys did. Uh, um, like, for example, one of the examples that you guys used was um, like you, you see a really interesting LinkedIn post 
of somebody mm -hmm. really well structured and you feed it to the model yeah. and then you ask it to create an identical post but with the information that you wanted to create so can you maybe give me yeah. give us this example because these are practical things that the audience can maybe benefit of course from. yeah Sure. So, you know, just like everyone else, I tried to play with all of these prompts, right? And I really thought that prompt engineering was where this industry is going to go to, right? That we're going to have to get really great at, at creating amazing prompts that are going to lead to much better content. And as it turns out, that's not really true. It is in a way, but not 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 really where I think um, the use cases are, are going to be. Prompt engineering is important to a, to a certain extent. But it's really not going to help you unless you're dealing with a model that can already kind of write. So the easiest way to kind of fine tune a model, um, the, the, the manual way, way, let's call it, is to simply give it an example of the type of content that we're trying to generate. Um, so you could take you know, any sort of content. You could take a newsletter. You can take a LinkedIn post. You could take um, a Facebook ad, a product description, uh, a blog post, you know, whatever you're trying to create. Um, and you can essentially tell it, hey, you know, I'm going to give you an example of a text. And I want you to use this as a, as a guide to follow it cl as closely as possible, but change it so that, and then you can provide more details around that. And then by giving it that example, just one example, it's already going to sort of structure the, the end result um, to, to, more of a, to more of the format that you're looking for. So it's going to understand whether or not it's super short, where the headlines are, so, you know, what are what, what's the context of each sentence, how they link together. And it's going to follow that, and it's going to create something that's really close to what you're hoping for. Now, that's just giving it one example. And it's already, it, it already, it, it's remarkable how, how, much, how much better it becomes uh, at generating content when you just give it one example. But, you know, if you go through this process, fine tuning is actually a, you know, relatively simple concept to explain. It's giving it many, 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 many different examples of the type of content that you'd like to, uh, that you'd like it to generate. And then based on that, it can really, really learn about how to write and structure content that's super useful to you. So that's essentially, that's essentially it. You, we first want to kind of teach it by giving it examples of what we wanted to create. And then based on that, we can ask it to, to write more of our stuff uh, and ch just change the parameters. So our needs, you know, the specific topic or language style or, you know, the tips that we're sharing or whatever it is. Do you usually have to, you know, have multiple prompts or like, like you can actually nail it from, from the get-go? Like, does it take a bit of time to get to the place that you want to be? Oh, so you can um, you can actually get it to generate you know sort of perfect let's say perfect content in uh, in, in a single prompt, um, but it takes a little bit of prompt engineering um, on a fine tuned model to get there. So you kind of want to um, you you give it you give you you teach it how to write. You know you go through the process of fine tuning. You give it a lot of examples on how to write about, and then you want to structure the uh, the prompt to be sort of a single prompt. You just want to push it uh, push it to it once. And if you see that it makes mistakes, you can kind of go back and edit the prompt to make sure that all of the information that it needs about what to do and what not to do is already contained inside the prompt. And then essentially on a fine-tuned model, you can just give it a single prompt and it's going to reply with pretty good content. Like um, it's surprisingly good. Um, it's considerably better than than anything, than just uh, working with, an, uh, with a normal uh, non-fine-tuned model. 
Uh, and I gave this example at a conference that I was speaking at. It was like 400 people last week. And I gave them two examples of an email. And one of the emails was written by, uh, by a fine-tuned GPT model. And the other was written by a human copywriter. And I asked them, you know, which is which? Like, which one was the email that, that was generated by, by GPT? And half of the people thought it was version A. You know, half of the people thought it was version B, which kind of shows how, how, you know, it's essentially nearly impossible to tell which is which. Um, just yesterday, I was speaking at a um, company event for EOS. Um, and uh, they, um, they, they went even worse. Like they, they were 70-30 towards the human version. So they got it completely wrong. 70% um, of the people thought that the human, uh, the human version was written by GPT. So it's, it, it becomes in incredibly difficult to tell this content apart, um, especially by humans, which means that at this, at this stage, you, know, you can already create sort of human level content that performs really well. Like the specific example that I gave them uh, the, the newsletter performed a little bit, a little bit better than a human uh, when it came to the open rate, the click rate, the, the actual sales that that was generated, which is, you know, incredible that we're able to, you know, generate generate content with, you know, a single prompt that that essentially um, that essentially can outperform or at least equal the the performance of a human copywriter. That is super interesting, man. I wonder there, there's there's some industries, some areas that. AI is not there yet, right? It's getting there. But as you said, there are certain areas, industries, activities that AI is already there and could be utilized. Can you give us some, for an inspiration, right? Some mm -hmm. of the ideas, use cases, where could we utilize AI today that can support and help our jobs? Okay, so like um, yesterday at that event, um, the... Um the company went through a bunch of brainstorming sessions on how to develop uh, how to develop systems inside the company to to integrate ai into it and i was kind of blown away at how quickly they were able to come up with uh, with uh, practical solutions to problems they have and you know some of the maybe a little bit less obvious stuff um, apart from generating content is you classifying documents Imagine you receive a lot of legal documents and you need to go through them and just pull out the important stuff out of that. Well, you can teach GPT to do that, right? Instead of you just scan a document or give it or send it, uh, send a PDF to it and it can spit out the important facts back to you. So summarizing stuff or then just classifying it. For example, let's say, let's say you're, you're, you work in customer support and you get an email from, from, a, from a customer and you could classify that email you know, figure out what the exact, the exact problem is. You could store that information and then reply appropriately and help the customer with, with whatever issue they, uh, issue they have. So things like that, you know, just create completely personalized uh, flows and experiences for people. You know, we've been talking about personalizing content for a long, long time in, in marketing, right? For example, the email marketing, the big thing was, yeah, you know, you're supposed to build automations and personalize them to each segment. Well, now you can essentially personalize it to every single subscriber, which is just, you know, a huge step up from the capabilities that we had before. Because if at any point a customer reaches out or says anything, for example, let's say, let's say, let's say, you know, here's, you know, it's sort of a strange example, but let's say, a customer were to write in, send an email to support uh, to the customer support, and then the next time you send out an, a newsletter, you know, just a, you know, announcing a sale, you could start it with, "Hey, Stoyan, I hope you know you've, we've managed to resolve your issue issue yet. Um, here's um, here's what's happening at our side. We're running this sale. Do you want to be part of it?" 
all of that stuff. And you could really personalize the experience for every single subscriber that way. Um, that I think that's one big use case. The other is just creating content at scale, right? A lot of companies are bottlenecked by the amount of content that they can put out by just, you know, huge, uh, um, by, you know, essentially not having, either not having enough copywriters or, you know, because sometimes it might be difficult to hire them. Um, in those cases, you could essentially teach the model to write content. And then from there, you could just generate a lot of, a lot of, a lot more content very, very quickly by working with these models. I think there's, and you know, moving forward, I think there's going to be a lot more interesting, um, interesting stuff coming out as well. Um, one of which uh, I think, uh, like, I, I'm pretty confident Facebook should be moving in this direction, which is they could use this transformer architecture that was developed, but that was developed, right? And they could teach it how to run Facebook campaigns, advertising campaigns, um, based on, you know, they could take, you know, the top 100 companies and, and advertising in every single niche and sort of train the model to, to be able to handle those accounts independently. I think that's where, where we are moving towards um, a world where all of these companies are going to start to integrate this technology. They're going to build their own data sets. So not just language models, but, you know, everything, um, but just everything built on the uh, transformer architecture that can just completely automate a lot of our, a lot of the as uh, aspects of our lives and work. For good or bad, we are going there. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but I want to, I want to, I want to go back to the first example you gave, mm -hmm. uh, which was the um, subscribers or, um, you know, like the personalized reply to whatever email sure. response, email marketing, how, like for the normal person out there, there's many entrepreneurs listening to the podcast, right? There's many, mm -hmm. not necessarily technical people. So um, you said automated, um, mm -hmm. yet, you know, in the in the head of a normal person, it's like you still have to manually put it into JetGPT or whatever software, whatever, and bring it back to like, what are the other tools or how do you automate so that, um, I mean, do, does it have to be any human involved? And, um, and if there is no human yeah. involved... Is there the risk that it can actually go wrong? Yeah. Okay, cool. Great questions. Um, so at this stage, I think most companies are, are going to opt into having more manual control over it just so they can test it out and see how it works, right? Um, as they see that, you know, this technology can produce amazing content because in your prompts, you can really limit it where it can go. And that's how you can limit the, the number of mistakes that it could potentially make. And by limiting those mistakes, you can get very reliable content out of it. Um, so I think, but but I think like in this stage, people are still kind of apprehensive when it comes to when it comes to AI generated content, and that's why you know probably in the first stage things are going to look like what we've kind of developed for for one company, which is essentially um, you know they open up our app, they uh, which was fine tuned on their their emails. And they can pick, you know, a fine tune on their content and they can pick the type of content that they would like to output, let's say an email in this case. And when they pick an email, they could pick the type of email that they'd like to generate, for example, the start of a sale or the end of a sale or, you know, anything like that. And then they just input the basic stuff, you know, which product category is on sale, how long the sale lasts and what the coupon code is, right? And then that's all they need to click generate and then get an email that's... Uh, that performs nominally is uh, 
that has essentially the same performance as if it were written by a human because it was trained on their own data. It was trained on, on their own content. It's really great at, at taking data like that and just outputting back content that's extremely similar, sometimes even better um, than, than what humans can write. Um, so I think at, at this stage, we're kind of looking at a workflow like that. So essentially imagine, imagine having an internal application that uh, web app that you can log into and then that's uh, that already contains the fine-tuned model and then you can just input very basic stuff so stuff that a project manager would do instead of a copywriter for example so a project manager usually will write a certain set of rules or or um, tasks that you know a copywriter needs to do but this time instead of giving it to the copywriter the project manager could directly input this into the fine-tuned model and then get get out uh, get an output out extremely quickly like we're talking in seconds instead of maybe hours or days it would take a copywriter to get to that task and, and work on it right so we're already able to kind of to some extent eliminate the copywriter from from this uh from this workflow and go straight to the project manager but you know if bear with me we could go one step beyond and fine-tune the model on the um on the marketing calendars for example of a, a specific company and if we take you know data for the last year or so we're able to create a new a new uh, um, sort of a new marketing plan from scratch right from all of the data that they've already uh, created all of the events that they have everything like that and then we're able to essentially also feed that information back into the fine-tuned model and we could get it to just automatically come up with campaigns um, potentially um, push them to a to an email marketing program and send them out or schedule them as well which could lead to complete automation uh, i think the solutions already exist there um, uh, they're not super difficult to build because we've discovered this Google has discovered this amazing technology, which is the transformer architecture. And based around that, yeah, we can, we could potentially completely automate every step of the way when it comes to the strategy, to the actual content um, for, you know, essentially any company. Yeah. And I can imagine there'll be many automated tools that will coming out uh, in the, in the upcoming months. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I, th I think like with these tools and I think some of them are, are absolutely great. Um, I think like one that I, I found really useful was released by Adobe, which essentially uses AI to just clean up the sound of any recording that you make. And you can take your, your cell phone in a super echoey room, just record it. And then you go to, I think it's, it's called uh, Enhance. I think it's Adobe Enhance. And you can give it that recording, which is just full of, you know, terrible sound. And it, it will clean it up remarkably well, right? No, so that's really? a gr Yeah, you, you, sh you should definitely give it a try. Stand. Like, um, but it's it, like for, you know, videos, for, for ads, for, you know, podcasts, everything like that. Like, this can work incredibly well. Like, it's surprisingly good. And that's an example of an AI tool. Now, where I'm kind of apprehensive about most of these tools is that, they're not they're built on the on the generic gpt framework so gpt 3.5 for now like the 4.0 is considerably better it's still not available for everyone uh, via api but um they're they're not built on fine-tuned models which means that they're going to provide essentially generic content at best um where the i think real opportunity is and what what i think what i like if i were to predict where we're going with this um, companies in the future will have um, their own AI uh, AI teams working on fine-tuning these models for every single area of the company. 
and you'll essentially have you know senior staff um, that, are, that are going to take care of this technology, provide more examples or use cases and and just build build around that and just have that kind of run the company sort of on its own under the supervision of, of senior folk. Um, I think that's where kind of we're moving. That's the direction that we're moving into. And I, that's why I think like fine tuning is such an important concept and something that most companies will have to build teams around uh, in, uh, internally to be able to fine tune the, these models on their own data to get them to really produce content that's tailored to them that looks exactly like what they've been producing so far, especially, you know, if imagine you're, you essentially teach it on your best content, on your best performing ads, on your best performing emails, landing pages, et cetera, you're able to get it to, to, to create like really amazing content out of that. And that's where I think we're going. Uh, that's, I think that's the direction that we're going into. I don't think like most of the generic tools that come out and don't find tune these models are going to be very useful. I don't think uh, I, I don't think they're going to 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 they're probably going to be around for a long time, but I don't think that's going to be the main use case and the way that we apply this technology to businesses. Fine tuning is where where I think things are going. Yeah, that's super interesting, man. And and it's it's always been like that. Like there's a new technology coming out. There's there's so many people who get into the wave, but then ninety five percent of the tools or ideas are going to die out, right? And only kind of the ones that stick and iterate and, and, and follow where this is going will be having a chance for the, for the long run. So interesting to see whether your prediction is going to, is going to, to be where we're going. Um, since, there, since there's many, many people who are coming from the so-called HR, people mm -hmm. management, recruitment space, listening to the podcast, I wonder what would be some ideas for them? I mean, you, mm -hmm. you know how how much and how long it takes for somebody from, from this profession to, you know, the, rec the whole recruitment process, especially when yeah. it comes to large organizations, uh, all the communication, you know, creating ads, then uh, pre-selection, like all these kind of things. Can yeah. you give us a bit of ideas of what could um, this, you know, people from this department, so to say, this industry do to optimize their work using AI. Okay, cool. So we already, you know, before GPT, we've already been using uh, HR. Most big uh, companies have been using a, a version of AI that would kind of skim a CV of a applicant, uh, somebody that would apply to a job, and then find the correct keywords to decide whether or not this contact moves forward. Well, right now we're able to do that entire process much better by teaching the model what a great uh, CV looks like. And then it's able to contextually understand, even if somebody kind of misses the correct keywords, um, it's still able to contextually understand whether or not that's a good application or a bad one. So, you know, just providing a better insight into, you know, when, whenever you receive mass applications to go through all of that contextually to really understand uh, those people and to figure out which is the right candidate. And we can train the model to understand what a great application looks like. So I think that's one obvious use case. Can, can the you, other can one... You, just, mm -hmm. just, just want to stop you here. Sure, yeah. Imagine you, you are... Uh, HR person, right? Yeah. And now you open the chat GPT or whatever model is in front of you. Give mm -hmm. me the step-by-step. -step. What exactly are you going to write and text to, to, the, to the language model? 
Okay. What's the, the so, first step, the second step, the third step, right? Okay. So uh, the first thing that I would do is essentially I would try and create a data set. So I would take a look at what a great example of a CV looks like and times, you know, 100 or 200, right? So we want many, many, many different examples of great CVs. And then we're able to, it's not, this is going to be too long for the chat interface. So we're not essentially able to use chat GPT for this next step. Uh, we're, we need to use the API integration to, to be able to fine tune it, which is, uh, you know, anyone interested can find, you know, there's already many great videos and guides on how to do that, but you can go through, you, you can look that up. So that, that would be the next step, but by creating that data set, and pushing it up into into um, the uh, to, to the open AI environment, you're able to create a new variation of uh, GPT, which is tailored to you, fine-tuned for that specific purpose. And then what you're able to do is essentially create prompts around that and say, you know, read this PDF, you know, from you know one candidate, um, and let me know how how you know what what the fit is like. I'm not sure which parameters they they would like to look at and how they would like to classify this information. Um, so if we if we had a HR person here, we'd be able to go through a little bit of an interview and figure out what are the specific things that they should be looking at, and you know what are the metrics that they would kind of come up with, and then you could you could essentially prompt it to ask it how well um, that uh, application reflects the ideal application, how, how good is the match and what the uh, GPT prediction is, how well this person is going to fit into the, um, uh, the actual position that they're looking to fill. So I think that's, uh, I think that's the process that, uh, that kind of you know, brain, brainstorming it, how I would approach it. Um, and then the second part, I think, where, where HR uh, could find a lot of use case is in just training people. Because you know, it's the GPD model is really good at creating tests. You could teach it on a bunch of content and then just uh, ask it to you know create a test out of this, um, just so that people can you know input input uh, fill out a form, and then you could again read that form with GPT and figure out where you know, what kind of mistakes they did, what's correct, what's not correct. Um, you know, what the structure and flow is like, what this person is like based on the answers, you could sort of gauge a little bit about, about them uh, completely automatically without having to even interface the person. And I think like potentially you could interview people if you showed it what a great interview looks like. And if you did that, you know, hundreds of times or two hundreds of, uh, two, uh, hundreds of times uh, and you teach it what a great interview looks like, what are what are great questions to ask to ask, and what are great responses to those uh, to those questions? You could again um, just run completely automated interviews. If you imagine like somebody sits behind a chatbot, they think that they're uh, chatting with a person on the other side, but in fact that they're essentially chatting with the GPT model, which gives them you know uh, further questions or clarifications on 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 their part, and just tries to figure out. Um, uh, who this person is and whether or not they would fit well into the trained uh, um, version of the of the model, whether or not, you know, do they look like the type of person that would fit, fit in well with the company or not? So I think, you know, part of the HR process can be sort of enhanced. Some of it can be automated. Um, and that, I think, is going to provide a great benefit to, to, so, to so companies. So what I understand is, is for business leaders listening, uh, many executives, managers, organizations, this could be a really good investment because as I understand, you still need the, you know, the technical support and, you know, so to, you can create this, this frameworks, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like for a, 
people from the person from the people's department, uh, HR department to set these things up. There should be some, yeah. you know, that you need to put in the resources to set up these frameworks, right? Yeah, for sure. So um, the data cleaning part is a big part of it. So it takes quite a while for you to put uh, to put really high quality data together to be able to teach it. So that's that's a big challenge um, to go through. But yeah, in general, I think um, I think that this is kind of the direction where we're going for. Like one of the conversations that we that I've overheard yesterday with EOS was um, as people were realizing what all of these use cases are. They started getting a little bit worried about where this is going because they figured out they, they found a lot of use cases where their parts of their job could be just completely automated or they could be taken out of the equation, not needed at all for a certain process. And I think that that is kind of um, it, it's a little bit scary for most people, I think, and understandably so. And that's why I think, yeah, like the primary interest is going to come from the top down in companies. I don't think like workers are going to be suggesting this technology um, just so that they can get. And that's what I'm interested to hear because because we talk about all these super interesting ideas and applications, but for the common business leader, mm -hmm. they're still kind of trying to figure out how, you know, who do I get on board to help me to set these things up? Even if this is a great idea, how do we find the right kind of suppliers slash providers of this kind of, services setting up ai to work for our company's needs like where do we go right like i think that's the question everybody's trying to figure out how do i go and find the right kind of suppliers i don't know companies that can help us set up ai models i think i think we're such an early stage of fine tuning in general that it's really difficult to find people who are super experienced in it i don't think you can essentially hire people who have already five or ten years of experience in this field because this field doesn't exist for that long right um so that's 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 a challenge that we're tackling with right we're learning uh, as we go uh, you know we're building these systems really trying to listen to companies and their needs to figure out what is the correct process to try and train a model what kind of on on what kind of data um, and what you know the expected outputs are going to to look like. So this is I think it's going to be this is going to be an ongoing thing, where you know more and more companies are going to start offering these services, um, fine tuning and, and all sorts of areas. Um, they're going probably they're probably going to specialize for you know certain areas. You know might be HR or content or you know um, whatever other use case that we actually find. Um, and then, yeah, I think it's just going to take a little while for a lot of these companies to get established in the fine-tuning uh, in the fine-tuning field. Um, right now, I think it's kind of difficult to find somebody that's really good at this and knows how to how to fine-tune models and that that can you know just guide a, a company through this process. Um, we're you know we've started doing this um, um, in, back in December. So, you know, it's, 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 I think, I think it's still going to, to take some time for everyone to really develop, um, you know, the capabilities to do that and to help companies. But that's something that we're tackling and we're pushing forward every single day. Right. You know, stay tuned guys, you know, <laughs> keep updated on, on what's going on out there and, and, and you can be potentially ahead of everybody else. If, if you already now allocate some resources, at least, you know, uh, 
keep updated what's out there. As as Tim said, like he's subscribed to all these newsletters and <laughs> podcasts and places where you can you can hear about the the latest tools. Can you maybe share some of these uh, resources like that you're following that people, if they're interested, they can go and follow. Well, sure. So we could go through them. I, I just maybe would like to point out something. Um, like in general, I think people should pay close attention to fine tuning, not so much to the actual tools that are coming out. I think that's super important um, because most of these tools, they really have to be specific to a, you know, a really specific need. Uh, an example of, yeah, I just gave an example before with um, Enhanced by Adobe, uh, which cleans sound, which is great. You know, if you have that specific use case, that that's something that you should be uh, that you should be looking at. Um, in 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 general, I think um, I think it'd be really helpful. And one thing that I've uh, that I've started to do is to listen to university lectures uh, surrounding uh, surrounding AI and machine learning in general. Uh, I think that's you know I think that's going to be a topic that most people should go through. You know, I, I know a lot of people, you know, kind of hate the idea of going back to, you know, college and studying and all of that stuff. I just do think that this technology is breakthrough. It's such a big breakthrough where we should go back, study what machine learning is, how it looks like, what what are some of the key challenges and how we approach this. Because I do think that in the future we're we're not just going to look at fine-tuning models. A lot of companies are going to develop their own uh, AI models. I think you know Facebook is in a great position to that to do that. Google is already doing that, and it's going to be super interesting what kind of capabilities they uh, they generate out of that. Like for example, one thing that I think could be coming is just uh, if Google manages to get Bard off the ground and working really well, um, we could probably expect that to be inside Google Drive, inside your documents. Um, if it's inside your documents, it can do a lot of word processing figure out where things are going to go, translate documents really well. I don't know if you've been, uh, Stoyan, if you've been playing with, uh, with GPT 4.0, but it's incredibly good at translating stuff. So, you know, um, uh, things like uh, it, on certain levels and certain tests, it's better, uh, 4.0 is better in German than it was, than 3.5 was in English which is just incredible, right? And the translations that we, we're getting out of that are, are just a huge step up, including in Slovenian, which is fun, fun, funnily enough, uh, it, wow. it can write incredibly Great. well. Yeah, it can write Slovenian incredibly well, 4.0. Um, it, it was just a big, big, big step up from 3.5. I think the, the main way to, I think the main thing that people should focus on is on learning, uh, learning, you know, first of all, what machine learning is. And then the second thing they should learn about is everything they could, everything they can about fine tuning models. And they should pay as little attention as possible to the mass of tools coming out right now, because I, I don't think they're going to be, I don't think they're going to stick around um, or they're not, uh, they're not going to provide a huge value to society and to companies in general. Whereas if companies start to pick up knowledge about fine tuning and, you know, you can even go to, to the open AI website, they have a huge and really good guide on how to fine tune their own models. Um, I think those are the resources that businesses should be looking at and studying intensely right now. Not so much about, you know, just following the latest trends or what's coming out or all, all of these millions of tools that everyone's building and add-ons and all of that stuff. So I think, you know, if I, if I were to give any specific advice, it'd be, it'd be that. Just focus on this one topic, fine-tuning, and learn everything you can about it. Yeah, I'm listening to you. I'm just... Uh... You know, reflecting on all these uh, 
crypto experts who became NFT experts who are now AI experts, right? Like, so be careful, <laughs> be careful who you follow. There's going to be a lot of uh, uh, pseudo experts out there and pseudo solutions. So like, who are the practitioners? Who are the people who are actually doing stuff? Who are the, you know, what are the solutions that are um, providing you with some useful uh, output? So uh, be careful, but, but of course, be curious and go out there, try different things. Um, and, and since there's, there's also many, many people from the world of startups, entrepreneurs. Um, if we're looking at the day, what could founders, entrepreneurs uh, do in, in terms of, you know, uh, using ChatGPT, for example? I mean, the, the, the title of the day is how to hire and train ChatGPT to work instead of you. So what could startup founders, how could startup founders utilize ChatGPT, for example, in a practical manner? Okay, so again, like uh, the way that you hire and train ChatGPT is to fine tune it to to provide uh, to provide the outputs that you that you essentially need. I think like the first use case for this technology is going to be big companies who already have a lot of data that they could potentially clean, and then based on that they could fine tune the model. I think that's it's going to be super you know relatively easy for those companies to do that. As a startup, when you don't have a lot of data or a lot of um, a lot of content that you could potentially fine tune this model on, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. So, but you know, the other way that you could approach this and let's say, you know, let's 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 uh, let's kind of try and um, come up with a startup today, right? And that startup might be something like, uh, here's a, let's build a tool to help you value post on, on, on LinkedIn, for example. Let's say, that's, let's say we're building a tool that helps you write great posts for LinkedIn, right? Okay. Let's say we're a startup that, we're, that we want to do that, right? Um, the way that we could use ChatGPT or specifically GPT is to look at, for example, really great LinkedIn posts, like from multiple people, from multiple influencers. We could take, uh, copy and paste all of, all of their posts Put it into our fine tune into our, into a data set set and fine tune the model based around that. And then what we're able to do is you know sell that tool or offer it to you know offer it to to the world, um, so that people can come in. They can you know sort of maybe pick a type of LinkedIn post that they'd like to write about, and then just input you know just certain basic stuff like for example what the topic is or you know maybe one or two tips that they'd really like to focus on narrow on in narrow on to um and then just yeah like generate and have a fully finished finished you know uh linkedin post or you know a series of linkedin posts or things like that that's i think a way that people and startups could uh sort of start using this tool immediately um and start fine-tuning uh, for different use cases because i think there's going to be many 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 different use cases to to fine-tune models on so i think like that is kind of the main opportunity for them um, what about coding? Like a lot of people cold post email. about, uh, you know, no, no, just not, not cold email, but like I was talking about okay. coding and programming, like okay, coding, a lot yeah. of developers uh, say that they're saving a lot of time on, on the, I'm not a developer, right? So, so I'm just uh, guessing here, but I hear a lot of those uh, developers saying, Hey, this, you know, can, can give us quite a bit of the groundwork, maybe not, not like the perfect code, but like it give us some you know, base 70, 80% of the code that we can then fine tune, right? Uh, is that something that startups can also utilize so they can save time yeah. and, and, and mental energy on? It, it's super funny because like my uh, two of my brothers are both developers and okay. they both code 
pretty much nonstop using using uh, GPT to help okay. them to help them do that. So they How do you, um, do that? I, is, is, you still have to be yeah. really good. You in still have to be in the right questions, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you need to kind of understand where you want to take things mm. and then you can ask it to generate that code. And then it's still on the programmer to kind of analyze that code and say, hey, you know, you use a, an inefficient method of doing this change that method to this kind of method and then it's going to edit that code and provide an output that surprisingly works it's like you have, you even, have an intern right you have an intern and, and like you, yeah. have, you give them a task and then you come back and it's like hey this is great but can you do it in this different way exactly exactly and that's i think that's actually the scary part i think this is where we're getting into the actual real life implications of who's likely to lose their jobs or lose opportunities first and i think it's juniors Right. People who don't really have enough experience where a senior can now just produce so much output that they don't typically need a junior who doesn't really know how to code because they, they already have an AI that they could instead invest a little bit of time into and teach it how to how to solve these problems and get much better output. I think programming, we're still a long way off from, from these tools being able to completely independently code things. Um, but, you know, potentially, you know, they could at this stage provide better outputs than a you know someone that's completely junior to the field um so yeah you know or for example in copywriting um instead of uh, for example you know a senior copywriter spending time teaching a junior on how to write they could spend that time invested into 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 the ai model into the fine tune model provide more examples more details and teach that uh, the ai how to write and then you know you kind of don't really need a junior you already have a machine that sort of acts as a pretty good copywriter. Um, and I think that's where we're going to start to see some problems. I think it's, it's a super scary time to be in college and just, you know, have zero experience in your working field and just um, hoping to enter, you know, the, the workforce in three, three, four, five years down the line when, you know, a lot of the stuff becomes Way more widespread. And by the way, that's 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 a really good uh, point here. And for those of you listening who are probably in this kind of age group, like I don't know, eighteen to twenty-three, um, yeah. if you're if you're students yet, stop just expecting that you graduate and and you do your exams at school and and you're gonna be fine. No, you 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 gotta step up. Like yeah. no matter what, you gotta step up. You gotta be prepared. Like you go out there and do stuff. You know. What are the kind of skills that you can acquire that you're already in college, right? Like volunteer at uh, festivals, organize conferences, uh, start a project with a friend, do stuff, be out there, you know, uh, volunteer to some great organizations out there or professionals. You want to be a photographer. Amazing. Who are the best photographers in town? Go and ask them, hey, can I help you? I can do anything. I can make the coffee. I can set up the lights. I'll do anything. I just want to learn. You know, upskill yourself. Yeah. You can't just expect that uh, I'm going to graduate and they're going to give me a job. That doesn't work anymore. You know, you, you'll be left yeah. behind. And it, it kind of hasn't been that way for, for a little while now, right? Where people would have to get some experience before they, they, they got hired. Um, but I think like also use GPT at any if, at every stage of your studies you know a lot, i know a lot of professors are really apprehensive about this technologies about you know students cheating on certain assignments and just make uh, uh coming up with the answers with gpt i think that's the smartest thing that they could do i think you know students who get super proficient at using this technology 
are just going to have an advantage over everyone else. So do use it. Just use it for every single thing you can. Learn, dive deep into it, and just try and master this technology because you know, three, five years down the line, we're still going to need a lot of people who know how to use this technology really well. And, you know, if that's you, then you'll have a much better chance of actually landing a job. And Tim, uh, since we're getting close to the end of this episode, I'm mm -hmm. just curious to hear, where are we going? What's your prediction uh, of where AI is going to take us in the next few to several years? Okay, so I think like in the short terms, a few years timeline, um, more and more companies are going to figure out that fine-tuning is where, where the game is at, right? It's not about prompting. It's not about using all of these hundreds of different tools that come out. They're going to figure out, okay, okay fine-tuning is super important. How do we approach this? And then they're going to build, a, probably they're going to tell their IT departments to learn about fine-tuning. And um, as they do, they'll figure out they need to, to bring on board more, uh, more talent to be able to um, to tackle those challenges because they're really specific challenges. Um, and um, they're going to figure out, hey, this is something that's super important. We need to start fine-tuning these models for ourselves. Um, and this is what lets us create these incredible use cases and automate a lot of the work. And I think a lot of the companies are going to start moving into this field of fine-tuning these models for themselves and automating a lot of the processes they have. And as we go through this process, I think people are going to start to lose jobs and or at least have their work hours greatly reduced or for example imagine you have you know 20 copywriters hired right now to produce content and you could potentially get that down to two copywriters right so i think that's where we're going in the short term in, in the next few years um company as you know it, you, it's not really clear where we are economically, you know, what, what's going on with the financial markets around the world. But I think a lot of companies already, you know, they're already cutting jobs, not hiring mm -hmm. as many people. And when they find out that they could potentially increase their output and decrease their workforce, I think a lot of companies are going to jump on this, which is going to lead to all kinds of societal issues. I think I'm, mm -hmm. um, you know, sad to say, I think that's where kind of where we're going. Um, and I do think that the governments around the world aren't quick enough to to act on this. So I do think it's going to be a little bit of a um, a little bit of turbulence ahead of us when it comes to the uh, adoption of this of this tech. What could employees out there do to get ready for when these moments start to come? So if we kind of take a look at big picture, you know, mm -hmm. years the years and years down the line, and we don't know when this will happen, right? Um, but Potentially, we're moving into a into direction of general AI. So, sort of, it, you know, the the quick way of putting it is an actual being that can learn, right, and mm -hmm. adapt, and and all of that. Once we hit that period, I think you know, it's for a lot of people, it's essentially going to be um, game over when it comes to their jobs. You know, uh, story and also content creation, things like that. You know, all of that stuff can be automated by a machine that's much smarter than us. And I think it's time that we start to have this conversation now and figure out how can we adapt society to still have meaning for people, uh, especially people you know, who aren't working physical manual uh, jobs. I think those aren't going to go, go away. It's super difficult to automate the work of an electrician, for example. We're not going to build a, it's, it's going to be extremely expensive to build a robot that can move exactly how humans can move to go around your house and fix stuff and all of that. So I don't think, you know, manual work is, is going away at all. I think that's going to be the primary way that people are still going to be employed. Um, but everything else, especially things that have to do with sort of, you know, working with the computer, I think a lot of that stuff can be just completely automated 
and people are going to struggle to find a new um you know a new opportunity in the same field as everyone moves towards towards complete automation um i think it's it's time that we start having this conversation especially in our governments i think that's where 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 we should be having this conversation the most and figure out what are what does the future look like how do we how do we work in a completely automated world like what what purpose do humans have like how do we make sure that people are safe that they feel that they're that they have purpose in life and i think those are the conversations that we need to start having now because i do think that this is the world that we're moving into maybe not in 2 years maybe not in 5 years maybe not in 10 years but could be 20 years or it could be shorter we essentially don't know how quickly we're moving towards this technology especially with the exponential growth of all the technologies uh, it might be surprisingly fast we get there but thank you so much team for for being with us today for sharing all these ideas i'm sure everybody listening would take some ideas and 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 come up with uh, you know inspiration of what exactly they can do today or how do they prepare for the future that's coming so thanks for being with us and just final question where could people find you get in touch with you and maybe if you give us an idea i don't know if it's a secret i know you're working on a big project right now um what are you working on what's your focus these days okay cool so yeah like people can follow me on linkedin or facebook like mostly linkedin i think uh, that that's the best way to to get in touch i have uh, an email list that i'm i'm preparing that i'm going to start launching and write more more content about uh, about ai but if you follow me on linkedin you'll you'll be able to know uh, you'll know all about that Um so right now we're working essentially on fine tuning models for companies um we 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 come inside a company we take a look at what their specific use case is and we fine tune those models for them to build these automated systems where you have um certain examples and demos that we're happy to share with anyone um um look interested in sort of this ty- this type of tech uh, but we're focusing uh, we're really deeply focusing on automating the content output for companies so things like um sales emails sales uh, ads on facebook or um uh, blogs and and uh, landing pages and product descriptions and all of that that's something that we're focusing deeply on deeply on right now and building automated systems on fine tuned models to just um outperform or at least perform as good as a human copywriter would love it so everybody listening to the podcast make sure to go and find tim on linkedin follow him email list is coming i just want to give a, a kind of a shout out to the people listening uh, there's gregor who's been joining and and saying tim thank you for sharing keep up the good work hope to see you soon uh there's also pia uh, so tim help me to read her name please pia gustinchic pia gustinchic she's saying great stuff thank you thank you so much pia thanks everybody for joining us live listening to the podcast offering suggestions if you enjoyed this episode make sure to subscribe to productivity mastery this episode 144 so that means there's 143 more episodes with amazing people like tim and uh, we're going to keep bringing you amazing people on a weekly basis we actually had a huge huge guest coming next week as well his name is steve cadigan and he was linkedin's first chief hr officer He's fantastic. He's wrote a book Work Quake, so about the future of work. So make sure to tune in next week as well. 
subscribe to the channel, share the episode, let us know what you think and uh, make sure that you are well aware about what's happening with AI. And if you're not enough, follow Tim. So that's, that's what you got to do. <laughs> Thanks so much once again. Thank you, Tim, for being with us. And Thank see you, you once Stan, again for inviting me. at the next episode of Productivity Mastery. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to subscribe to my monthly newsletter by visiting stoeniankov.com and also learn about the Perform Methodology and the Perform Book, as well as our various personal and team coaching offers. Stay tuned and keep performing. Thank you.